Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. You know when you're sniffly and you can't breathe through your nose, so you breathe just through your mouth? The show's like that. It's like breathing through your mouth and then tasting the world on your tongue and then closing your mouth and then swallowing the goodness of the world and then um, not choking and then being at one with the universe. Adrift with Jeff Lloyd and Annabelle Port. Hello and thanks for downloading our podcast. And this week's podcast almost didn't happen in a way that I think captures the essence of the programme itself. Yes, when I came round to your house to record, I did a thing that I feel like I do pretty much every time I go round to someone's house, which luckily isn't very much. But I pressed the doorbell and I thought, oh, I don't know if that made a noise or not. So I'm waiting and then I don't want to press it again because I don't want to seem like I'm really impatient and rude. So I'm waiting for ages and then I feel like, oh, I don't know if that made a noise. Maybe they're just on the toilet. I don't know. So I just kept waiting some more and eventually I had to give in and press it again and it made a very clear noise and it clearly just hadn't worked the first time. Oh, it's, it's, I, I think I am like so many people in as much that I've got a doorbell that only works some of the time. <laughs> yes, yeah, I think it's most people, so yeah. I really wish that people would either have just a knocker that you have to bang on, yeah. or a doorbell that very clearly, whenever your finger goes anywhere near it, goes, that you can hear audibly from inside, outside. But a knocker's best, because there's no going wrong there. You know it's made a noise. Mm. Yeah, um, yeah. it's a horrible situation to find yourself in. Uh, and a similar situation that I don't enjoy being in is if I'm ever at the cash machine. Yeah. And the cash machine is one of the slow ones. Because it makes you look slow. Yes, because I'm actually a very fast cash machine operator. Of course. And I don't want the people behind me to think I'm an amateur. (laughs) But some of them are just slow. But I think it would be weird to turn around and say, oh, it's one of the slow ones. Oh, yeah, that would be bad, Mm. yeah. Uh, An awful situation to be in is if you're ever at a pedestrian crossing and you've forgotten to press the button... Oh, so you're waiting there for ages. And then somebody comes along and presses it. It feels like it feels like they're really sticking it to you. Although if it's ever the other way around, if I come to a pedestrian crossing and someone's standing there and the thing isn't lit up, I feel like such a showboat by going and pressing the button. <laughs> Do you ever feel embarrassing if you press the button and you're waiting and by the time it's the green man, there's no traffic anywhere and you feel like a bit of an idiot even though no one's seen it? Yes, 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 very much so. Um, I really don't like the pressure of being the one to have to press the door release button on a train. Oh, why? Because there's a moment, is it? Because if you press it too soon, nothing happens. Mm. Um, so you have to, you're, you're listening out for some kind of click. Right, yes. 
And then you've got to make sure that you do it within a certain amount of time because you've got the pressure of all the people harumphing behind you. Mm. And then if um, people are listening in London, on the London Underground, you don't have to press the button. It does it automatically, even though there is a button there. Yeah. So if you ever press it by mistake, you look like an amateur. Such an amateur. You look like a rube. Yeah. But at the same time, they have these London Overground trains Mm-mm. where it's the opposite. You do have to press. Let's just have one system, yeah. please. For the button pressing, um, I don't enjoy it if you ever are in one of those buildings where you have to press that little green button to release the door to oh, get out. Oh, that's awful, yes. Especially if you think it's an automatic door and you're just standing there and somebody comes along and presses it. Have you switched all the lights off before as well? On multiple yeah, occasions. So, um, a bad experience I had with a button recently was I was travelling on um, a train from London to Manchester and I got my 16-month-old son with me. I needed to go to the toilet. So I just brought my son with me into the toilet and let him crawl around on the floor, which is uh, hygienic. Anyway, I'm finishing up my business in there. And then I hear an announcement come over the tannoy. And it's like a beep and then, disabled passenger alarm activated. Disabled passenger alarm activated. And on the floor of the toilet, there is a button whereby I guess if um, you're in a wheelchair or whatever and you've fallen over, you can press this button to get help. And my son has pressed it. Oh, no. So I just didn't wash my hands, didn't wash him. I just scooped him up and got out of there. Just ran, ran down the train. Best way to deal with it. Yeah. There are some things that move down the stream. Some of them are called Jeff Lloyd and Annabelle Port. It's coming past you and on the sale is written G-L-A-P, which stands for GLAP. Jeff Lloyd and Annabelle Port. The organization. Adrift. Well, even though we're the ones sitting here in my loft with the microphones, it's very much your podcast too. It belongs to you and the 10 or 12 other drifters that listen to it. That said, if we do at any stage make any money for advertising or um, or, or people donate on Patreon, we won't be sharing it with you. No, 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 no. let's not get carried away. Um, but we, we do value your contributions uh, massively and you can email us hello at adriftpodcast.com. This is from Alison. I work as a speech therapist in a hospital setting. A colleague had asked me to cover for a few days at their hospital, a huge several hundred bed hospital, just for a few days. When I was seeing patients, a nurse came up to me and with a big, excited smile on her face asked me, when are you due? I didn't know her at all and we'd never met before this interaction. Perhaps more importantly, I was not pregnant. Nothing like this had ever happened to me before. I'm not overweight or anything like that. So it was really surprising and caught me off guard. I was so caught off guard that I found myself just blurting out a random month later in that year. It was probably November or something like that. I really don't even remember because it was so horrifying and I have suppressed most of this out of my memory until now. Fortunately, I never had to see her again after my short time working at that hospital. I was absolutely mortified. Oh, that's so good. I'd like it if she, if she had to work there a bit longer and had to go along with it and maybe even like, you know, take some fake maternity leave. Yeah, borrow a baby from somewhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay, this is from Mitchell. He works in the plumbing and heating world. And he says, last Christmas, I became part of a situation which involved a young lady at our office, which led to a real embarrassing scene. I have to go to our head office once a month where she is based for business. And we always have small talk as and when I glide past her desk. 
It's gradually advanced to exchanging funny WhatsApp messages, texts and the like, although I must stress there's nothing going on between us. But she's extremely attractive. I feel this is an irrelevant point, he adds. <laughs> she's always helping me out, sending out information and drawings, etc., for which I show my appreciation by supplying, not plying, her with vodka for a Christmas gift. <gasps> The last Christmas proved to be so toe-curdlingly cringeworthy, it's beyond belief. I dropped off her annual gift at her desk before she was in and left for my sight. About a week later, I had to go back to the office and she's seen me and come over to say thank you. She walks up and in front of everyone, which had I reacted in a normal human fashion without blushing and hyperventilating, wouldn't have raised an eyebrow. She says, I'm not going to see you now and leans in for a kiss on the cheek, by which she meant she wouldn't see me before the Christmas break. I, like a bell end, didn't quite get what she meant by the not going to see you comment, thinking one of us was going away or something. So in that split second, I leant back, feigning confusion, which then led to her leaning forward whilst I was leaning back. Then, when I realised she was in for contact, I leant forward. And in the same split second, she must have thought, sod this, I'm backing out. Which led to an almost identical scene from Dirty Dancing, where Patrick Swayze (laughs) and Jennifer Grey go at it backwards and forwards dancing. It felt like an absolute lifetime. Then, to make matters worse, if that's possible, I decided to make a quick exit by saying my goodbyes. But miraculously, with such a dry mouth, I managed to engineer enough saliva, which resulted in a bit of spittle flying out and landing on her shoulder. I could have died. As well as whilst she was holding eye contact, I'm sure she fleetingly glanced at the offending mouth bomb coming towards her dress. Just a fool. Oh, that's good. Yeah. I mean, it does uh, back up something we've said for a long time, is that people shouldn't touch each other. <laughs> Ever. Yeah. Ever. This is from Liz. She says, I was a painfully shy and socially awkward eight-year-old in 1985. In the hopes that I would make friends and gain confidence, my mother suggested that I take part in the school chorus. There was no audition process, so I was accepted to the group, despite my questionable singing ability. It turned out that I really enjoyed singing in the group, so my mum was quite pleased with herself and her parenting skills. Around Christmas, we were going to put on a choral recital, and members were encouraged to audition for solos and duets. Mum saw another golden opportunity for me to step out of my shyness, so she helped me to rehearse my audition. I wanted to sing the duet Somewhere Out There from the cartoon movie An American Tale that was popular at the time. I must have practised that song 500 times so I knew it inside out. But since I couldn't carry a tune in a bucket, I didn't get the part. That was okay with me though, and I look forward to singing with the group. On the day of the Christmas concert, the school auditorium was packed with students and our families. We sang the usual carols and it was really lovely. Then it was time for the solos. The soloists moved to the front of the stage and the remaining choral members stood on the risers, swaying gently to the music as instructed. Several songs in, the soloists for Somewhere Out There take their places and I'm still swaying with the rest of the group. The cue for the solo starts and I start singing at top volume. (laughs) Uh Not just a few words, but eyes closed, lost in the music and loudly singing off key with all of my little heart. I sung this so many times preparing for the audition and I was so zoned out, swaying to the other songs that I didn't even realise what I was doing until I had sung the whole first part of the solo. I opened my eyes and the actual soloist was in tears. (laughs) 
The director was shooting me daggers with her eyes. My choral mates were staring at me in shock and the whole student body was giggling. I was mortified, so much so that I immediately sat down on the risers, scooched underneath, then shimmied across the back of the stage on my belly in full view of the audience. And under the back curtain, where I promptly vomited on my shoes, which was nicely picked up by the stage microphones. The song was awkwardly restarted to give the actual soloist her moment in the spotlight. When the concert resumed, I calmly walked down the side stairs off of the stage, shoes squelching, and out of the door of the auditorium. I never went back to chorus. And 35 years later, I cannot listen to that song. And this incident still gives me 3am cringes. Oh, please. Um, I mean, that was so great. If you have anything like that you want to send in to us, we'd love to hear from you. Things which years later give you regular pangs of anxiety and and embarrassment. also, ongoing topics are uh, pretending to know what you're doing. Shyness is nice. Um, the lengths you've gone to to avoid doing something, blurting stuff out, and so on. You can email us hello at adriftpodcast.com. This is warm and friendly, and you like it. And that's why you're here. You were the one that pressed play after all with your thumb. Adrift with Jeff Lloyd and Annabelle Port. You have a lovely thumb. And on the subject of uh, correspondence, Annabelle, you have something. Yes, so pen pals. Did you have pen pal as a kid? It's quite a, quite a common thing to do, wasn't it? Yeah, I, I never did. Oh. Yeah, I would have. I, I tried it once. We went on one holiday. Yeah. I went as a kid and, and uh, I met um, a brother and sister from Preston and I took their address and wrote them a letter and they never wrote back. Oh, okay. My heart so, just broke. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I do think... That while it's nice that now we can easily communicate with people all over the world instantly, I do feel sad about the lack of letter writing. Because mm. I feel like the only pen pearl action now is lonely people writing to prisoners. And that's all, really. <laughs> so it makes me sad that kids don't have pen pals anymore. And I'm very nostalgic about pen pals. I think mainly because one of the big glory days of my youth was having my pen pal request printed in Smash Hits magazine. And it's going to make me sound like I'm 103, but when I was 11, <laughs> Smash Hits magazine magazine which i suppose i should say is a music ma- was a music magazine for teenagers do you want to explain what a magazine is in case <laughs> a young person listening to this like a blog on paper yeah, yeah yeah so it had a section called rsvp which is basically a list of people requesting pen pals and my ad was printed it. i remember it word for word i'm a desperate 11 year old seeking fans of aha falco and five star Desperate. Desperate. Falco, five star. Falco, I should point out, I'd only had one hit at this stage, Amadeus. I mean, at any stage, he'd only ever had two hits, I think. What was How, the other one? Uh, Vienna Calling. Uh-huh. I'll tell you who's, I mean, don't want to um, get uh, take things off on a tangent too much here, mm-hmm. but I'll tell you who's a huge fan of Falco. Who? Is James Ward, who runs the Boring Conference. No, Yeah, really? he's, he's an expert on Falco. Well, he's a very interesting character. I was reading up on him. <laughs> but I don't really understand how I was such a fan when basically they'd been one single and also I checked the release date of this single mm. and it had been number one when I was 10 so it wasn't like it was fresh in the charts <laughs> and the- so your love for Falco was true it had been going on for a year at this point and surely the only word of it I would have understood was Amadeus and I'm not sure I would have known it was Mozart's- weren't there any other words <laughs> well they were all in German weren't they <laughs> I wouldn't have known it was Mozart's middle name, surely. So it's all a bit weird. And while I do remember loving ABBA, that was definitely true. I don't remember being particularly crazy about a five star because I don't, I'm pretty sure I didn't have any of their records. So I couldn't remember the rest of the ad. Um, And I was wondering as well whether they printed 
your actual address, like how people got your address to write you letters. So I looked to see if there was an archive, Smash It's archive, and I found it. My RSVP no, ad. Yeah, no. yeah. I printed it out to show you. Hold on, there we go. It's there. So I, I got the actual words not Hello. exactly right. Oh, this is great. So it's a, <laughs> it's a page from Smash It's that Annabelle has um, printed out. Mm. It is above an advert for the new released film that week, Crocodile Dundee. I know, I know. So it's from January 1987. Nick Berry was on the front cover. Wow. The actual wording, I'm a desperate 11-year-old girl looking for other 10 to 12-year-olds to write to. If you come from anywhere in the world and are into Aha, Falco and Five Star, get writing to. And then, as you can see, it's my full <laughs> name and full address. Oh, wow, because I'd always... I, I think I'd just assumed that they must have... Taken the letters at Smash Hits, they must have had a P.O. box number and then forwarded them to you. But I suppose the postage costs would I know. be prohibitive. So the 11-year-old me, I like, had my actual full address wow. printed on there. I also like how I say, if you come from anywhere in the world, like, I really <laughs> keep it open there. Now, it's no exaggeration to say that when, within a few days... I was getting between 50 to 200 letters a day. There'd be just this huge pile on the doormat. Like Our postman must have hated me. Although, but I don't know what he thought. Maybe he thought I'd become a child star or something. It must have been very weird. I read every letter, though. 90% of them, incredibly dull. I remember certain sentences from these. One of them was, I'm an avid rock collector. Another told me they had dolls of Stedman and Delroy, the boys from Five Star. <laughs> There was one letter I got that was quite traumatic from a boy called Trevor who took it upon himself to draw quite a detailed picture of the female genitalia Mm. and ask if mine looked like that. He also had some quite unsavoury hobbies that he detailed, if I remember rightly. So I was so disgusted, I ripped it into bits and threw it in the toilet. Got rid of that. Would you like Trevor to get in touch if he's listening? Never. The weirdest reply was actually a phone call. So the phone rang one evening and it was a boy who said he was dyslexic and couldn't write letters. So he'd found out my phone number. and Could we be phone pen pals? It was, as you can imagine, the world's most boring and painfully awkward conversation. (laughs) I wish I still had a recording of it to play myself when I feel like I've had a bad social interaction, just to remind myself that there was a time when it was so much worse. (laughs) Anyway, I chose one person who seemed vaguely interesting to write back to me out of the hundreds that I wrote back to, and they never replied. Oh. I'm wondering now why I ever got a static about pen pals. But that was my real claim to fame, age 11, being in smash hits and all these people writing to me. Until my sister, about a year later, trumped it by becoming pen pals of Princess Margaret, sort of. In the, we went through a phase of writing to the royals. I can, I can, you say it's a phase, Annabelle. <laughs> it's a phase. No, every, you just ring them. Every year, you're right, it's true. I can only think we did it because we did it once and realised that they have to reply to you, so it became a bit addictive. And, and my sister <laughs> sent a letter to Princess Margaret in which she advised her to give up smoking. And Princess Margaret replied, saying it was none of her business if she smoked or not. So it had been about 12 or 13, 14 maybe. So I think that was the end of the correspondence, but it's always going to be too hard to beat that, Princess Margaret. When you stop thinking, your mind begins to... Start loving Adrift with Jeff Lloyd and Annabelle Ports. Oh, touch it, touch it. So here's the thing. We went round to a friend's house at the weekend and her husband was there. I don't know the husband as well. Um, I've known my friend a long time, husband uh, less long. Um, anyway, there's a point at which it's just me and him 
sitting there. Mm. And we, we always get along well, I think. And he says to me, oh, the, the podcast then. I said, oh, yeah, yeah. He says, uh, well, people are talking about it. That's all he says. People yes. are talking about it. Yeah, he doesn't say people are saying nice things about it. Very much doesn't say that. He just says people are talking about it. And then there's a long pause. I go, oh, that's, that, that's oh, good. Oh. And he doesn't go, no, it is good. People people like it. He just, there's another long pause. And then he says, uh, I um, I like the photograph. No. Yes. <laughs> wow. I mean, come on. I have, over the years, um, been to see friends in plays, been to see friends' bands, listened to tapes of friends' bands, had friends who've been in TV shows and things. And and I think you can become quite adept at not passing any, not giving any kind of critical appraisal um, in which you'd feel like a sellout, mm-hmm. and yet at the same time helping them feel good about themselves. So what sort of things would you say then? Well, in this situation? Yeah, yeah. So if it, if it was the other way around, if it was on the other foot, yeah. and he'd done a podcast, I'd go, oh my God, your podcast! Like that, <laughs> yeah, straight yeah. away, like with a big smile on my face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and I'd say... God, um, it's it's so great that you've done that. I mean, you must be really pleased with it. Okay. That's what I'd say. You must be really yeah, pleased yeah, with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Do you think maybe he hadn't listened to it? Oh, no, he'd listened to it. <laughs> I, I think if he hadn't listened to it, mm. he would have said, oh, I haven't listened to it myself yet, but yes. I'm really looking forward to listening to it. That's what you would say. Because sometimes I just lie that I haven't seen or listened to something. Oh. Um, yeah, very, very odd behaviour. Mm. Anyway, I bring that up because... Um, we need your help. If you are uh, able to you know, get somebody to listen to the podcast or, as I've said before, go into the Apple Store and just subscribe to it on a load of different computers before security get wind of what you're doing, or if you can write as a review and give us a five-star rating to go with the good review that you've written uh, on iTunes, that's very helpful as well because it makes us visible in the iTunes chart. But whatever you can do to uh, to get the word about, please do so. It's very, very much appreciated. Um, and unless you know you have less than positive things to say, mm. in which just just keep it to yourself. Yeah, say nothing. Exactly. Pretend you never heard of it. Nothing is better than um, well, people are talking about your podcast. <laughs> I like the photo. <laughs> Time for adrift with Annabelle Port and Jeff Lloyd. In whatever order makes sense to you. You are the one that is perceiving it. Do you know, if I could have a superpower, do you know what it would be? What would it be? Effortless small talk with waiters. Oh, yes. Because I am exceptionally bad at it. And I'm only trying to be friendly because of my constant need for approval. Mm. And I think more often than not, I just create an awkward situation. Okay. So I'm in a cafe the other day. I'm waiting for somebody. In other words, I'm at a table on my own. Waitress comes over. She says, hello, how are you? I say, I'm pretty well, thank you. How are you? She says, I'm fine, thanks. So far, so good, mm-hmm. as far as the small talk goes. Now, what happens next? I need to explain that I have a stock response to any compliment about something I'm wearing or something I own. I don't take a compliment well. So some years ago, I developed a coping strategy. Right. So I, I will give you an example of this. Why don't, Annabelle, you be a, a shop assistant telling me that you like my T-shirt. Okay. Oh, I really like your T-shirt. Oh, thank you. I made it. You see, that's my little joke. Okay. Yeah. Because I, I can't make a T-shirt. <laughs> and, and it happens with anything, you know, if people say, oh, is that an iPhone 7? I like that. I say, oh, yeah, I made it. <laughs> okay, okay. So, and, and it, 
it never really goes well either. Oh. I've been sticking with this for some years right. and almost invariably, um, I'll show you what happens. Um, in this scenario, mm. we'll, we'll reverse it. Um, you be me okay. and I'll be the complimenter. Okay. You say, oh, I like your jeans. Oh, thanks. I made them myself. Wow, you made your jeans yourself. Okay, and, and it just creates an yeah. awkward thing whereby yeah. I, I then have to go, no, no, I'm just being silly. It was just a joke. And, <laughs> oh, and then, cool. you know, as we all know, the best kind of jokes are the ones that you have to explain yeah, that it was a joke. Yeah, yeah. So I'm in this cafe the other day and uh, the, the waitress says to me, hey, I like your glasses. And as a reflex, I say, oh, thank you. I made them. Mm. She then says, Oh, you made them. Are you? Um, you're not the guy from Spitalfields Market who uh, sells those glasses, are you? I thought I recognised you. Oh no, no, no! It's even harder to explain this. And I did oh. think for a second of saying, "Yes, yes, that's me." Yes, it would yes. have been easier. Yeah, yeah. And I go, "No, no, I'm, I'm not. I didn't really make my glasses. It was just a joke." And she went, "Oh, so you're not a glasses maker?" <laughs> and it was just this this terrible, terrible oh. interaction. So I'm just feeling really bad about my small talk and then I meet my friend and I can't really concentrate on what he's saying um, because the, the small talk has gone so poorly I'm just obsessing about it and then at the end when the bill comes I think I know what I'm going to do I'm going to put an extra large tip in okay to try and make the waitress think well you know his small talk is bad but he's a good person yeah okay but here's the thing mm. it was a different waitress who bought brought the bill Oh. So in that scenario, yeah. Would she would that tip would would it reach her? Cuz I always worry mm. worry that the waitress who gets the really big tip who was nothing to do with the good customer service mm. is going to think, "All oh, right, I'll have that and I'm not even going to tell the other people cuz I want it all for myself." I'm sure it happens. So that's that that could mm. happen. That's yeah. like thinking of the other waitress in a particularly bad light. But probably more often than not what happens is the tip just goes into a pool and gets shared out anyway between yeah. the staff yeah. and it would never get back to the waitress who I wanted to think that I was a nice person despite my poor small talk and you want her to know this yes. obviously yeah so i want to investigate that whole subject of um small talk with waiters and tipping in this week's the incident <laughs> Ed Miliband is a member of Parliament. Now, politicians are famously good at being charming and turning on the charisma. So I asked him to explain to me how he handles awkward interactions. Oh, God, I'm not sure you should be asking me. Um, people are very nice, generally. Some people confuse me for other people. So just after the general election, I walked onto an aeroplane and uh, I wasn't feeling particularly chuffed having lost the general election. And this um, stewardess beamed at me. Uh, and so walked up to me and said, it's so good to have you with us today, Mr. Clegg. Uh, now, you know, I didn't find that sort of hugely complimentary. I actually had somebody at the cinema the other day who said to me, you play bridge with my friend John, don't you? And obviously she kind of recognised me but couldn't quite place me. And I must say, I... I, I so you don't I, think John is... Maybe I should have sort of had... Maybe I did need a stock response for that. I, I was honestly quite... I was not really sure what to say. I, th I think you're confused. It was somebody else and you walked off. <laughs> she said John is terrible at bridge. Yeah, that's, I should have said that, actually. Yeah. Do you feel any, under any pressure to be liked by people who accost you on the street, though? But, you know, it's very interesting. I think pe one of the things about being a politician that actually makes you feel very positive about the public is that the people who come up to you, I think there's a sort of selection 
bias, which is the people who think you're a tosser don't tend to come up to you. And the people who like you tend to come up to you. So this is how politicians end up feeling like they're exactly. God and they're loved by everyone. Exactly. <laughs> but I think but it's quite nice because the most people who come up to you are very nice and sort of say nice things and sometimes they want a selfie and, you know. Do you always say yes to a selfie? Always. You never, ever turn a selfie down. Depends whether the person who asked for the, is asking for the selfie is either wearing a strange costume or is sort of somewhat <laughs> inebriated. Uh, but, I mean, in general, I'd say the rule is to say yes. Right. And are you a good tipper? Do you worry? So if you go into a cafe, people are going to, the staff who work there afterwards, well, they're going to be, be saying, yeah, yeah, Ed Miliband was in yeah, earlier on. You've got to be a good tipper. £40 meal, how much are you tipping? Oh, God, I'm not getting into that. <laughs> <laughs> At least 10%, probably more. That would be my advice to you. Are okay. you a good tipper? Yeah, because I, I, I do it because I think if my social interaction has gone bad joking about my shirt, then maybe, just maybe, I can rescue the situation by throwing money at it. Yeah, I think it's important. And does it make a difference to you if you're, if you're ever going to go to that restaurant again? Oh, yeah. The, I have a mental map of places I can never show my face again because of uncomfortable social situations. Not because of bad, not because of bad tips. No, that's, that's, that's what I'm trying to use to fix it. <laughs> Emily Dean is a writer and broadcaster. She hosts the brilliant Walking the Dog podcast. She's also spent a good portion of her career as a restaurant reviewer. So I phoned her up to talk about the etiquette of engaging with servers. So you essentially left what I'm going to call a shame tip. Yes. Yes. Is that a th- we, we've all done it, love. So that is a thing. Um, yeah, I've done shame tipping. I mean, what you were sort of saying to her, you were leaving her that money... I don't know if I should be giving you restaurant etiquette advice or (laughs) I feel like I'm your therapist right now. (laughs) But what I would say to you is that I think you were possibly leaving her more money because do you think it was almost like you were apologising for appearing to be slightly on spectrum or something like that? (laughs) Yes, it was exactly that, yes. You know, look, I'm sorry about my personality. Yeah, yeah, that was it. it. That was it. It was compensation <laughs> for having to deal with my awkward personality. But what I say, mm. so there were things with the way, did you have an interaction with her after you'd left the tip? So if I may ask, what percentage would you say? Because you know the, the right amount of tip, I presume. You're around the world now. I, I tend to tip between 15 and 20%. Ooh. Now I'm going to insult you and say, I didn't think that you would tip that amount. <laughs> it sounds terrible, Jeff. But then I do think you would tip that amount because you're a generous, decent soul. But it's more, but about, but it's more about being needy is, to be liked. I bet it's occurred to you, well, do they get this? It has. You know, is this just going back into the restaurant's pocket? So I always ask them and I always say, is service included? And they'll tell me either way. And I'll say, is it better for you to get cash though? And whatever their answer, I think they like me for asking. <laughs> Even if I don't do anything about it. <laughs> but but then if they... Even if I just sort of shrug and say, oh, what are you going to do? Can I say something? Yeah. Will you go sit across the table? Yeah. This is my wife, Sarah Barron. She's witnessed my needy behaviour in restaurants firsthand on numerous occasions. But, more pertinently, she worked as a waitress in a hip New York restaurant for many years. When you're doing that job, how much are you really thinking about whether you've got a good rapport with the customers or not? Oh, a lot. Yeah, but I mean, maybe that's specific to me, but because I really like to be liked, and then also I like to 
give nothing if they're hostile. And then I like to give more to the other customers to prove like this is about you and the fact that you're a shitty person. Like I'm a great waiter. I'm getting along with everybody. You're the problem. Can you give me an example of punishing a difficult customer? Well, oh, well, yeah, I mean, this is what I liked. This is like my, my favorite thing about myself is when customers were being dicks. Like when I sussed out that someone was just a dick. And they'd be like, well, I want, like, I worked at this restaurant. And in and, and a way that I agree with, it was sort of like, this is what we do. If this isn't what appeals to you, then this is not the right restaurant for you. So very minimal menu adjustments. So people would be like, oh, I'd like this, but know that and add this. And it'd be like, unfortunately, we don't do that. And people would get angry. And I would sort of, you know, and they'd be like, well, that's ridiculous. Like, why can't I not do this? And I'd be like, oh. I'm, I'm so restaurant policy. We sort of offer what we offer. We try and do the best version of the things that we do and blah, whatever I would have said by rote at that stage. And so when people would get real uppity with me, like, well, I don't want to do it. And I would just go, ma'am, you seem like you need a manager. And I'd preempt that before they could ask me for one and they would lose their minds. So if I leave an extra large tip, it would probably just be met with a shrug like, oh, he must be a good tipper. No, 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 no. I don't, see, that's the th- no, I don't think that's true either. Like if I opened up a check, you know, checkbook presenter and I saw like, oh, wow, that was lovely. I would, I would say to, I'd be like, oh my God, table 43 just left me such a lovely tip. Oh, I love him. They're already gone. Or I would walk by and be like, thank you. That was, thank you so much. I hope you guys enjoyed your evening. You know, I would do something like that. So what percentage should I, should I be shooting for, for that kind of reaction? Well, first of all, I know this is like a real dangerous territory with you because you really use money to try and make people like you in a way that's so depressing. Um, so if, but, but, if you were in the States and you wanted the waiter, like they really seemed nice and you wanted them to be like, oh, wow. I, I would, I think with a simple 25%, you could get there. 30%. 20, 20 is the norm over there. So I only need to go a little bit over the norm. Yeah. 30. So here, if I did 20%, it might work. Yeah. So they 10, usually 10 add, is the norm, Well, right? they add, 12. people add 12%. Mm-hmm. So if on top of that, you left another 10%. I think you'd I think you'd be sitting pretty. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Jeff, Jeff Lloyd and Annabelle Port. Germans. Drift. I've spent a lot of time over the last week practicing in the mirror, trying to seem comfortable as I ask you for money. Um, so I just want to say, if you're enjoying the podcast and you feel like supporting us financially, just throwing a few quid our way, you can go to our Patreon page, patreon.com adrift. We've got a bunch of rewards on there for different levels of support. We really appreciate it. And this is just this little podcast we do up in my loft. I got myself into terrible debt paying for the equipment and it'd be great to try and recoup some of those costs and maybe just maybe, um, 
buy some clothes for Annabelle's soon-to-be-born baby because it's being born as winter approaches yeah. and it'd be good to keep it warm. Yeah, it so if you would like to contribute, patreon.com stroke adrift. All the details are on there. How do, how do you think that went? I think the mirror talking is working. Okay. So confident. <laughs> uh, all right. Some more stuff ar- arising from previous podcasts. Yeah, this might ruin your confidence, but it comes from Paul who says, I won't be subscribing to Patreon because I just don't do that kind of thing. I'm sure you understand. <laughs> I do. <laughs> Although I can recommend Amanda Palmer's book, The Art of Asking, which may assist you in overcoming your shyness in asking for donations. So maybe you should both read that. Yeah, I mean, I just think it, it's going to take more than a book with me. Yeah, maybe. I think there's a lot of my entire personality in the fact that I'm uncomfortable asking for anything. Mm, a book's not going to work. No, no, no. But he has got an alternative way that he wants to help us because he mm-hmm. says, what I would love to do is steer a couple of hundred more listeners your way by asking you to give a clue to a treasure hunt we're involved in. Okay. Yeah. Our Buried Treasure podcast has buried £100 in cash in the ground somewhere in the UK and each programme contains a clue to where the money is located and the first to find it keeps it. So if you could say the clue two metres, I can reveal that this is where the clue is and our listeners need to listen to your beautiful podcast in order to get that information. This is great. So what is their podcast called? It's called Buried Treasure Podcast. So firstly, I want to apologise to any listeners of the Buried Treasure Podcast who've had to sit through this podcast so far to get to this clue. Now, what I'm hoping is there was was one pioneer, there was one um, outrider who, who listened through, made a note of exactly <laughs> the point in the podcast, you said the words two meters and yeah. posted that on social media. Mm-mm. But then I guess uh, there's a competitiveness amongst their listeners because they want to be the first one to get to the money. So why would they do that? Yeah. So probably a lot of people have had to endure this so far. And, you know, again, I, I, I want to re-emphasize, I cannot apologize enough, but thank you for listening. And who knows, maybe maybe there will be somebody, a person for whom this podcast clicks and we will get a new listener out of it. That'd be nice. Yeah. Paul asks, what makes me know and understand that I am a drifter is that I really wanted to speak to you at the next radio conference a few years back, but didn't want to make a fool of myself by saying the wrong thing. So just didn't. He finishes with, if this isn't for you, then I'll understand, as I love the Scroobius Pit mentality of, we may not be for you, and that's fine. Kind as regards, Paul. Yeah, I mean, that is very much uh, this podcast, we may not be. It's more like we, we probably won't be for you. It's highly <laughs> unlikely we'll be for you. Yeah. Imagine what a confident person would think if they ever heard this. Oh, wow. They'd be like, wow, this incredible insight into all these awful people's minds. <laughs> these poor people. Also, we've got this from Declan, which funnily enough ties in with something that we were saying earlier. He says, if I'm in a supermarket and there's a bit of a queue, but the person at the self-scanning machine is taking ages to the point where you can sense the queue is getting a bit annoyed at them. When I then go next, I purposely go at about 100 miles an hour, just so that way everyone in the queue thinks, I like him, he's fast, and then I can look really good to everyone. Is that a common thing to do? I also think the exact other way that everyone is really judging me if I spend more than five seconds failing to open one of the plastic bags. Bags. A, that I can't open a bag. B, that I'm holding up a cue. <laughs> Thank you for those. Once again, the email address is hello at adriftpodcast.com. And if you do want to support us with the spare change in your pocket, uh, you can do so at patreon.com stroke adrift. Excuse me. Do you have any wood? Jeff Lloyd and Annabelle Port, adrift. Ooh, I'm in the stream.
I phoned Annabelle the other day, and this is how it went. Hello? Hi, it's me. Hi, are you right? Yes, how are you? Yes, good, thank you. Are you aware of the feel-good hit of the summer? What do you mean? Despacito. It's the most viewed video now of all time. It's had more views than Gangnam Style. And really? Yes. God, it, it's, I, don't know. I don't know it. It's people behaving in a very free, unabandoned, hedonistic way. Uh, and I believe it's what they call a block party. Oh, okay. Well, no, I'm very nervous about what you're about to say. Well, I wondered if maybe it was time for you to oh, organise no, your no. own free, unabandoned, no. hedonistic no. block party. Because that's just so me. Oh, yes. <laughs> okay, I'll give it a go. Annabelle, how did you get on? So this most watched YouTube video ever, never heard of it. Despachito. Yeah. I had never heard of it. And then it just reached a critical mass of tweets and things I was seeing about it and parody videos and so on. And I, well, actually, I'll, 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 I'll butt out here. I want to hear what you've got to say about okay. it. I mean, how I missed it then, I don't know. But after you tell me about it, I tried to Google it like a granny by typing in death bastito. Because <laughs> I, I hadn't heard you right. But eventually I found it and I watched it. My first thought was, oh, they didn't have much of a budget to film somewhere nice, did they? <laughs> a very picturesque slum, though, don't you think? Yeah, I guess, yeah. And it features some very overly sexual dancing, mm. although anything beyond the birdie song dance is a bit overly sexual for me. <laughs> and all this dancing takes place in very uncomfortable-looking clothes in not very breathable fabrics. And I can't <laughs> see any alcohol, which means they were dancing sober. I mean, how anyone does this, I have no idea. So I'm quite bewildered about its popularity, especially when I read that it's been responsible for a 45% spike in tourism in Puerto Rico. Anyway, if it sounds like I'm distracting you or trying to distract you from any memory of you telling me I had to do my own block party, I don't want you to think that (laughs) if only your memory was that poor. So I start now thinking about what I can do. And I'm trying to think if I've ever seen anything similar in my area. And there was the time that I saw a man in an estate car with ladders on the roof, parked up on a main road and playing classical clarinet really beautifully. <laughs> I've seen him do that twice now. I mean, maybe that's a Snaresbrook equivalent of a block party. Maybe they're not all like that one in the YouTube video. So I look into them and I learned that a block party, strictly speaking, is really just a street party. And I also learned they got very popular in America in the 1970s, particularly within the hippity hop community. Right. I also learned that at these parties, the power for the DJ sound system was often taken illegally from street lights. Uh-huh. I'd really like to try that. But I haven't had a main overhead light in my bedroom for five years as the fitting <laughs> needs changing and I don't know how to do it. So I'm not sure I've got the skills to steal electricity from a street light and besides i don't know if you noticed but in the despacito am i saying it right i don't know you're the you're the linguist according to a previous <laughs> podcast in this despacito video they had a retro cassette machine yes yeah and i do still have some cassettes and an old sony cassette walkman although annoyingly it only takes a rechargeable battery and i've lost the recharger <laughs> but i could hold it in my hand over my iphone playing the music so yes. I download Despacito to my phone. Now all I need to do is put on some of my more snug maternity clothes. <laughs> <laughs> By which I mean leggings and a long top with long sleeves and I'm ready to go. It's Saturday early evening. 
But where do I go? Now, one thing I do know is I don't want this party happening on my block as I don't want broken bottles in the street. Because last week, the recycling guys dropped a Jif lemon bottle and someone <laughs> ran it over and smashed it right where I usually park. And it was really annoying because I was worried it would burst my tyres. So I just parked somewhere else until it went away. <laughs> Very community spirited of me. Plus, perhaps what I need is the startings of a block party that I could elevate. Mm. You know, a few people hanging out already so I don't have to start from scratch. Yes. And I know where to go because there's a bridge near me. And last time I went over it, there was lots of those laughing gas canisters. So while they may not be my kind of people, this does suggest a gathering of people. It does. Unless it's just one person on their own and that's too bleak to think about. So I get there. Nobody. There is evidence that someone has been there, though, because there's some graffiti which says a message to all the people. Take care. Be good. Eat well. <laughs> that was quite sweet. So I go back on the road where two beautiful people are walking towards me. It's a tall blonde couple, mm. boy and a girl, I think in their 20s. And when they're right by me, I go straight in there with, if I play some music, will you dance with me? And I hold up my cassette Walkman as I say this. The guy answers with, oh, we're all right for now. Uh, we'd love to. We're just in a bit of a rush. <laughs> so polite. I move on. Because you are visibly pregnant now as well. <laughs> Let's not forget. Oh. I move on. I see two more young people, two girls loitering. They're probably itching for a block party. So I go up to them and say, oh, hi, uh, do you know how to steal electricity from a streetlight? <laughs> Now that I'm up close, I realise they're really young, like maybe 14 or 15, and they look faintly horrified. No, one of them says. And then curiosity gets the better of her as she asks why. Oh, so I can uh, power up a sound system for dancing. There is no reply at all to this. Just a look of, oh my God, go away. So I do. And I ask two burly men if they want to start a block party with me. No, you're all right, they say. I'm really not feeling in any way that this is like the Despacito video. Although in the video, it's the music that got everyone going. Mm. So maybe I just need to play the music to get the party started, plus be the first one on the block party dance floor. I'm on the nearest high street to me now. I'm outside the Boots and M&S food. And I cover my phone with my cassette Walkman and then I start the music. I play Despacito as loud as it will go. A middle-aged couple look at me like I'm scum. And I feel like scum. I'm playing loud music in the street and playing an awful song. And I'm kind of dancing, although all that I can manage without dying of embarrassment is a slight shuffle from side to side. <laughs> I catch a man's eye and I force myself to do a shimmy. <laughs> he smiles, but he doesn't join in. And I'm starting to feel very concerned that I look unwell. As let's not forget, I'm clearly quite heavily pregnant. I'm a bit worried that someone's going to call social services. So I leave it there. It's all really very sad. What is, what is wrong with everyone? That was our podcast. Thank you for downloading it. That's more than enough. But if you want to occupy a special place in our hearts, you can always rate and review it on iTunes or pledge a bit of spare change at patreon.com stroke adrift. Send us your story of being adrift in life. Social ineptitude, pretending to know what you're doing, shyness is nice, 
anxiety pangs triggered by gently humiliating memories, trying and failing to fit in and so on. The email we've received so far has been wonderful and we'd love to hear from you. Hello at adriftpodcast.com. Thanks to Man and the Echo for the backing music. The one that's playing in the background at the moment is an instrumental version of a song called Operation Margarine. It's on their self-titled debut album. It's out now and it's fantastic. And thanks to Emily Harrison for the incidental music during the incident and to this week's advisors. Ed Miliband MP, who is busy representing the people of North Doncaster in Parliament and using his big old brain to figure out how to tackle inequality and injustice. The fantastic Emily Dean, she is a big part of what makes Frank Skinner's radio show and podcast so funny every week, and she also hosts a brilliant interview podcast called Walking the Dog. She has incredible guests on it, and she's so good with them, I can't recommend it highly enough. And my wife, Sarah Barron who won't let me plug any of her endeavours on here because she thinks it looks like horrible nepotism, so you'll just have to Google her. Vince Lynch and Simon Wilcox provided the voiceovers and the idents. Patrick Gunning and Iwana Babu provided technical support. Kim Rainey made our artwork and Carla Gowlett took the photos. Thanks to you and your fellow drifters for listening. If you think you know someone who might enjoy this podcast, do us the favour of telling them about it. But we know it's unlikely, so no pressure. And finally, thanks to everyone who worked for the Royal Mail in Benfleet in Essex in the mid-80s for delivering all Annabelle's fan mail from the Smash Hits Pen Pals section. Adrift. Okay, on to the podications. The first one comes from drifter Nick Thompson, who says, Hello, Jeff and Annabelle. Hello. Hello. I'm a new podcast listener. Oh, this is so wonderful. Wow, a, a new, new one. one. Really? We should keep a tally. Mm. Um, lazing here in bed with my Sunday coffee while Suzanne snoozes to the side of me. Mm. Uh, I'll confess that I wasn't a subscriber to the old podcast, as I'm relatively new to the medium, but your radio programme was something I listened to. Oh, I see, I see. So it's not like we found a brand new person, but it's not to say we don't appreciate it, Nick. Um, and I've missed your ramblings in the last few months, so I was happy to find this and add it to my ever-expanding list of, oh, I, uh, I need to find time to listen to that, subscriptions. You may not remember, but I sat in on your show a couple of years ago. I'm from Macclesfield. I do remember somebody from Maxfield sitting in on the show. Um, not great with faces, so you know, if I see you in the street, I may appear rude, but that's that's due to my condition, my face blindness. What's the what's the actual word for prosopagnosia? And yes, my wife often points out that it seems to come and go this prosopagnosia, but but I had, I got tested. Yeah, you did, and, and they said I'm on the spectrum. Mm-mm. I just wish they'd given me some kind of certificate. Mm, I know, something you could pull out. Yes. Um, Macclesfield, uh, yeah. And I, I asked on Twitter for a suggestion of how to fill my spare evening after work whilst working in London for a couple of days. We made a Hello Millie sign and held it up to the webcam. And now my 16-year-old daughter still dines on that anecdote that her dad was on the radio for five minutes. Wow. I know, amazing. You know, I'm, I'm surprised it's not a... A deep source of shame for Millie. 
Is a podcation like a dedication? Yes, it's exactly that. It's a dedication of a podcast. And I don't feel like I've really contributed anything to to culture. But that word, I think. I mean, nobody else uses it. <laughs> going to say i mean you, you did invent the word but only yeah. we use it yeah. yeah if so can we please podicate to suzanne who's about to start the um um hang on let's see yeah, can read your handwriting here sorry. the rest of oh okay 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 uh can we please podicate this to suzanne who's about to start the rest of her life with this doofus as we move into our new shared house together in a couple of weeks bringing two independent families together under one nice new shiny roof in the 1980s, that would have been enough to be a premise for a sitcom. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, best wishes, wishes to you both. Nick. Nick, thank you for um, for finding us in this brave new world of podcasting. And I hope it all goes well with Suzanne and that everybody gets on well together. Um, although that wouldn't be as good for the sitcom plot. No, it would A little bit of friction, don't yeah, you? Absolutely. And and then this next one, I'm delighted to see this. It's a, it's a member of the Tiptoes family. We used to hear regularly oh. from Timmy Tiptoes, but this one is from a Tommy Tiptoes. Oh. Shall we read it? Yeah. It says, Hi, Jeff. Hi, Annabelle. It's Tommy Tiptoes here. Can you see me? No, you can't. That's because I've stepped into my dad Timmy's shoes. Oh, no. And I'm more stealthy than he ever was. Oh. He taught me everything I know. And I like to look at you working when you don't even know. And I follow you around and stare at you. (laughs) Have you spotted me? No. No, you haven't. I prance around fleet of foot, peeking out of cupboards and such like. Have I seen you at home? You don't know, but maybe I have. Maybe I've been very surprised by what you get up to. (laughs) I like your new podcast. I knew ages ago that you were going to do it. (laughs) I was there when you talked about it. May I please have a brand new podication? If you say no, I might tell everyone what you were doing when I saw you. (laughs) Uh, Congratulations to Annabelle on the forthcoming new addition to the family. I watched you. (laughs) No, I didn't. Oh, good, good. Ah, good, good. The uh, uh, nice continuation of a family tradition there. Lovely to, uh, yeah, hear a (laughs) tiptoe. Great, lovely, really not creepy at all. No, not at all. No, no. Um, if you would like a podcast podicating to you, then email us hello at adriftpodcast.com. And that's the latest one, podicated to Tommy Tiptoes and Nick and Suzanne and um, I guess I guess Millie as well. Yeah. All right, another one next week. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping 
and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.